in case you weren't here last week, we are starting a study on the book of Ephesians. And we looked at what was going on in Ephesus, uh, what the Apostle Paul was doing. And remember, uh, he was teaching in one school, Tyrannus, and he was there for two years. And it said all of Asia, which most people believe is like Turkey today. And um, we saw that good things were happening. He said, an effectual door has been opened unto me, but there are many adversaries. And we referred to Pastor Rhonda's sermon uh, that she gave about, you know, we got to go through the door. So Paul went through the door. And as he went through that door, great things happened. And I love the, the book of Ephesians. It's a great book. And so um, I'm going to just do it the way I feel prompted to do it. So we, we, if we did a, a line by line, you know, scripture by scripture study, ooh, I don't know when we'd get done. So what I'm doing is I'm reading it, letting the Spirit of God uh, pop something off of the page at me. So let's start. We're not going to review too much. So let's just start here. Um, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse number uh, 6. Verse one, chapter 1, verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted. Come on, everybody say, I'm accepted in the beloved. So when you got born again, you were accepted in the beloved. Everybody's looking for some acceptance today. Well, the blood of Jesus cleansed you. The blood of Jesus has translated you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And you are accepted in the beloved. And it says, in whom we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he has abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he has purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are, in, uh, which are on earth, even in him, in whom. Also, we have obtained inheritance, being predestined uh, according to his purpose, the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Now, there's a lot in there, but we're going to look at three categories tonight. In him, redeemed, inheritance. And so we're not going to spend as much time maybe on the first two, but uh, you are in him. And so these words stick out. And, and you can look at it. In verse 7, it says, in whom? Um, in verse 9, it says, in himself. In verse 10, it says, in Christ and in him. And in verse 11, it says, in whom? So you know, Brother Hagin has a book called The In Him Realities. Pastor Robert teaches a class in a Bible Institute, In Christ Realities. And so we know who we are in Christ. You have to know that you're, he's in you, but you also are in him. And everything that he has done and he has finished is now yours. In other words, the in him realities have to do with you used to be in yourself somebody, but now you're in him. In other words, I, I was a sinner. I was saved by grace, but now I am the righteousness of God in Christ. So not just I'm righteous, I, I think every, I wish I want everybody to finish the scripture. I'm not just righteous on my own. I, my righteousness comes because I'm in him. I'm in him. I'm accepted in the beloved. My acceptance comes because I'm in him. I'm not in myself anymore. I'm in him. In whom? By him, through him. All those things that are now ours in Christ Jesus. They belong to you. And you and I need to walk in. And then it, there's some other things it, it, it points out here that I'm not going to spend a lot of time on. But in verse 7 it says, to the riches of his grace. Verse 9 says, his will. Uh, verse 11 says, the purpose of him uh, and of his own will. So a lot, what is this pointing to? You're in him and all these things that we're about to talk about have come because he decided it. It was his purpose. It was his will. You know, the thing of it is, Pastor Belinda said it is the truth. Uh, God does God's side and you do your side. Quit trying to do God's side. He can't do your side. But in, it, these in him, it was his purpose. He was the one that decided he wanted to make you righteous. Last week we looked at, he made you holy. I said, he made you holy. We're going to look at it in a minute. But he's the one that decided to redeem you. 
This, this really wasn't your, your decision. This was his decision. And his decision was to go all in. His decision was, I'm going to redeem them. His decision was that, that I'm going to heal them. His decision was, I'm going to uh, make sure that my father becomes their father. It was his purpose. It was his will. It was his choice. Amen. And when you really get that, you're going to be like, wow, thank you. He could have, they could have done a bare minimum. You know, the sit in the back of the plane fee. That you don't get a carry-on and you don't get a thing. You know, you, you get a seat. And it's tight quarters. They could have done the barely get along. The barely get by. The cheapest route. We'll just save them from their sin and then we'll take them to heaven when they die. But that's not what he decided. It was his purpose. It was his will. It was his decision. From the foundation of the world to be slain as a lamb so that we could have these things. Oh, I'm excited about it. Amen. So what else we got to, so in Christ, in his purpose, you have to find your identity in him. Daniel, part of our church, um, uh, he wrote a book on identification. He taught it, I believe, in Chile. The, the thing is, everybody's confused today. Why are they confused? Because the only place of a safe identity is in him. You identify yourself in Christ. That's got to be your first identity of everything. Not even, um, you know, who are you? My name is Mark. I'm a son of God. I've been redeemed. My citizenship is in heaven. Amen. I, I give you a list of who I am in him before I begin to say, well, I'm from Alabama. I'm this, I'm that. Your identity has to be in him or in these last days, uh, things will be hard because obviously the devil has made up his mind. He's going to confuse everybody. Did you hear me? The devil has made up his mind. He's going to confuse everybody. Amen. And you can't fix that. I'm, gonna be, I'm just getting bolder with it. You can't fix that with a vote. With the law. You have to fix that with a new birth. That's got to be our first priority. Am I saying don't vote? No, I used to joke and say vote twice. Can't say that anymore. <laughs> but uh, oh, I just did. But my, I, I, but, but my point is, if, if we're going to help people, we got to get them a new birth. We got to disciple them. Come on. Everybody needs a Priscilla and Aquila. Who are you discipling? Who's speaking into your life? Hopefully I'm speaking into your life, but then you should be speaking into somebody's life. Remember, we talked about that last week. Amen. Thank God for everything that the Lord has done for us. Hallelujah. All right, so we're, say, I'm in him. And so we see that he purposed it. It wasn't our thought. It was his thought. Are you with me? So then um, we have to find our identity in him. Everybody say, I'm in him. him. That's your identity, right? All right, number two, let's look at the word redemption. So in verse seven, it says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Verse 11 says that um, in, uh, nope, is that the one I want? Nope, just redemption. Yeah, that's it. Redemption right there. So everybody say, I've been redeemed. So let's look at Colossians chapter one, verse 14. Colossians chapter one, verse 14. Colossians 1.14. It says, in whom, there it is again, we have redemption. What does it mean to redeem something? It means to purchase it from something. I go to redeem something. I purchase it. I bought it. And I take it to myself. I've been redeemed from something. I've been redeemed unto something. So redemption here, in whom we have redemption, how? Through his blood. So our redemption came at a high price. Our redemption came at the blood of Jesus, the spotless lamb, even the forgiveness of sins. And then let's look at Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, 
We're just getting warmed up, all right? Stick with me. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 12 through 15. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered into once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Remember when Jesus was raised from the dead and Mary was there and he said, don't touch me. Why did he say, don't touch me? Not because she was a woman, because he said, I have not yet ascended to my father and your father. What did he have to do? He had to take his blood and put it on the mercy seat. He wasn't done yet. He had just whooped up on the devil. He had just been raised from the dead by the Holy Ghost, the greatest display of power ever. He obviously had some blood, which is very interesting, and he had to go put it on the mercy seat. And so, so he, neither by blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered into the holiest place, having obtained what? Eternal redemption. Redemption has been, has been forever settled for mankind at this act. Amen. Mankind can all be redeemed. Everybody, redemption is for everyone. Why? Because once and one time only Jesus died. Once and one time only he was raised from the dead. And once and only once he put his blood on the mercy seat. And that is, that, that is eternal redemption for you and for me. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of heifers sprinkled and unclean sanctified to the purity of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition of your fathers, but what? But you have been redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Everybody shout, I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. What, what does redemption mean? It means you were a sinner the blood of Jesus came to buy you and he bought you. The Bible says you are now not your own. You've been bought with a price. Your body is not even your own. Praise the Lord. Your body is not, well, it's my body. I'll do what I want to with you. Well, then you must not be a believer. You must not be a Christian. If you hear the mantra, it's my body, I can do what I want to with it, that means they're not born again. Sorry. Is that plain? Because the Bible says your body's not your own. You ought to check in with the owner before you do anything to it. It's not your own. I said it's not your own. It's not your own. It's not your own. Don't buy into the heathen terminologies. Well, it's my body. I can do whatever I want. You're right. If you're a heathen, you can do whatever you want with your body. But you're not a heathen. You've been bought with a price. Praise the Lord. Is it true? But see, if you believe that, how much greater your faith will be when something tries to act up in your temple. Don't you do that. You belong to Jesus. And Jesus took care of that. We ain't having that in this temple. We're not having that in this temple. We're not having that in this temple. Everything works in this temple. This temple glorifies God. This temple honors God. This temple's been bought. So no trespassing. No trespassing. See, the more serious you get about, you know, uh, the Bible says offer your instruments. It's talking about your hands, your everything about you, your feet, everything. Offer the uh, instruments of righteousness. The more you, you and I do those kind of things, the greater revelation we have that we've been bought with the blood of Jesus and this belongs to him and he healed it, he fixed it, he took care of it, hallelujah, the stronger your faith is going to get at. And the more you, you acknowledge that this is his. Praise the Lord. Everybody say, I've been bought with a price. Woo. What have you been redeemed from? Let's look at Psalms 103. Psalms 103, I've got a lot to put in here, but I could really slow down and I, I really don't feel that's what we're supposed to do because we can slow down and we could just stay here forever because there is some meat in this book. Hallelujah. Psalms 103, the, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Aren't you glad God has benefits? Who forgives all your iniquities? Hallelujah. You can just, aren't you grateful he's taking care of all your sin? 
all your shortcomings, all your hang-ups, all your mess-ups, all your habits, all your problems, he took care of it. Who heals how many? All your diseases. Is Jesus the healer of them all? Hallelujah. I'll just tell somebody because I got a lot of new folks in church around here. Listen to me. Uh, Everybody doesn't receive their healing, but it is the will of God to heal everybody. Everybody doesn't receive salvation, but it is the will of God to save everybody. Every born again believer doesn't get filled with the Holy Ghost and speak in other tongues, but it is the will of God that they do. You got to differentiate between what is the will of God and what people are able to receive. And people aren't able to receive just for many various reasons, which is not what we're talking about tonight. But don't you ever get confused about what the will of God is. It's too clear. It's too clear in the Bible what the will of God is. Don't let anybody talk you out of it. You know what? If, if, if I don't like to say it this way, but, but even not judging what the will of God is based on what other people receive or don't receive. Even if they're well-known preachers. That's not where our base our faith off of what everybody else gets. We base our faith off of what the Word of God says. He heals how many of your diseases? Woo, glory to God. Verse 4, good bunch. Who redeems? That's what we're talking about. Redemption. Who redeems your life from what? What is this redemption? Well, he heals all my diseases. He delivers me out of all my problems. Come on, he redeems my life. I am not, we don't have to have destruction in our life. Who is the destroyer anyway? The thief comes to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. What did Jesus do? He redeemed you from that whatever the thief is trying to do. He has redeemed your life. Come on, anything that's about your life doesn't have to have any destruction in it. If destruction comes, you can just look at it and say, I've been redeemed from you. Come on, let's get serious about this. I've been redeemed from you. I, 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 that's been bought and paid for. Come on, if, so, if I went down to Kroger, I got it right this side. I didn't say Kroger's. Pastor, your son has a real problem with us saying Kroger's around here. He wants us only to say Kroger, okay? But anyway, so if I went down to Kroger and I bought you $200 worth of groceries and I told you it's there, I purchased it. But if you don't go redeem it, it just went to waste. Jesus redeemed us from destruction. Jesus redeemed us from sickness and disease. Jesus redeemed us from poverty and lack. Come on, everybody shout, I've been redeemed. He has redeemed my life from destruction. He crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercy. Let's just finish it because it's fun. Verse 5, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. I'm getting younger by the minute. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, 13. Christ has done what? Redeemed. From what? The curse of the law. Being made a curse for us, for it's written, curses everyone that hangs on a tree. I know you know this, but I want you to see that according to the Holy Ghost, through the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians, redemption has been purchased for you. You are redeemed. You're not trying to get redeemed. You're not hoping he's going to redeem you from something. You have been redeemed. He has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So anything that's a curse found in Deuteronomy 28, anything that is of the devil, you've been redeemed from it. Come on, say it again. I'm redeemed. He was made a curse for me, and for it's written, curses everyone that hang on a tree, and that's Jesus, verse 14. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Hallelujah. What have I been redeemed from? I've been redeemed from all those curses. I've been redeemed from the curses of the law. I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed. Hallelujah. Let's look at this one. Titus chapter 2, verse 14. We'll look at this in the Amplified Classic. Who gave himself on our behalf that he might redeem us, purchase our freedom. Woo. So you don't have to be bound up. You don't have to be bound up with habits. You don't have to be bound up with addictions. You don't have to be bound up with sin. You can live free. 
Come on, you can live free from all iniquity and purify for himself. He purified for himself a people to be peculiarly his own, people who are eager and enthusiastic about living a life that is good and filled with beneficial deeds. I am enthusiastic about living a life that's good and filled with all kind of beneficial deeds. He loads me down daily, hallelujah, with his benefits. Glory to God. Y'all interested in when you get a new job, they offer you, what are the benefits? What are the bennies? You know, what do I get? What do I get? How many vacation days do I get? How many of this do I get? What, what are you going to put in my, you know, a 401-30-CPO, whatever that is. What are you putting in it? What are you putting in it? What are you putting in it? I want to know. I want to know. Those are benefits. You want your benefits. Well, Jesus knew you'd be wanting some benefits, so he gave them. There are benefits with knowing that you have been redeemed. You are, you are redeemed. I said you are redeemed. Hallelujah. Glory to God. What have you been redeemed from? The curse of the law. Sickness, disease. Mama in the room, listen to me. The Bible says if you teach, teach your child the way they should go, when they're old, they will not depart. But it looks like they departed. But the Bible says they won't depart. Well, it looks like they departed, but the Bible says they won't depart. Well, it looks like they departed, but the Bible says they won't depart. So you're going to go what it looks like? You're going to go to what it looks like? The Bible says it's a curse for your children to go off and follow other gods. It's a curse, and you've been redeemed from what? And that's a curse. And so you've been redeemed from it. So whether they like it or lump it, they were born through you, and you are a believer. You are a woman of God. You're a man of God, and it's going to be the way you say it's going to be, and they really don't have a choice. Well, I know they do, but they don't. You know what I'm saying? Hallelujah. That's just the way it is because you've been redeemed from the curse. And it's a curse for them to go off and follow other gods or not serve God or somehow get a, you know, go through something and decide the way they were taught was too much bondage or I don't know, whatever they're thinking, but it don't matter what they're thinking. You did what you were supposed to do. You did what you're supposed to do. Well, I didn't get born again too late. Well, guess what? You know, um, you find there's all kinds of promises in the Word of God. From you and your house, you will serve the Lord. So if you got born again at 60 and they're 40 and you didn't raise them that way, well, from now on, me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And they're part of your house. There's all kinds of scripture to find. You know, I love what Brother Hagin used to say, you know, to those who were older and they got born again. He said, you know, because the Bible says, um, obey your father and mother because it's the first commandment with a promise. So it'll go well with you and you'll live a long life. And he said, well, if you didn't obey your father and mother, there's other scriptures about long life. <laughs> yeah. So there's all kinds of ways. The Lord has all kinds of ways and all kinds of scriptures for you to grab a hold of so that you can receive. Now, don't threaten your children when they're little. If you don't obey mommy right now or daddy right now, you're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're not going to live long. I don't think, don't use the word against them to cut the wrong way. Now, I'm being serious about that with somebody. Don't, don't say God's mad at you because you messed up. Don't say God's mad at you because you're, you're disobeying. Don't do that. Because you want, you want to put it off on God when they just need to obey you. All right. Little pastoral stuff. All right, where am I? We've been redeemed. Have you been redeemed? From the curse of the law. That's where we got off. But it was a good getting off. Hallelujah. Everybody say, I'm redeemed. Why should you keep saying I'm redeemed? I'm glad you asked. Psalms 107, verse number two says what? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So you should really be, <laughs> got that. Uh, you should be, <laughs> don't say so. Say, I've been redeemed. I would say, I've been redeemed. Well, well, you should go around talking about it. When you have something come up that doesn't look like redemption, look at it and say, I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed. Whom has redeemed me from the hand of the enemy. So that means anything the enemy's hand, which is stealing, killing, destroying, is trying to do, you can look at it and say, I've been redeemed from that. I've been redeemed from that. 
I've been redeemed from that. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now let's get to the one that I wanted to get to really good. But you are listening so well. And the Holy Ghost did some things. And I know you all going to come back next Wednesday. And we'll pick up wherever we leave off. Ephesians chapter 1. Let's look at verse 11. It says, in whom also we have obtained inheritance. And then verse 14, it says, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. So I want to talk about, okay, so we're in him. We have all these things. We've been made righteous He who knew no sin became sin so we could become the righteous of God in Christ. We're accepted in the beloved. Um, I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his might. All the in hymns, by whom, through whom, those in Christ realities. And then in this, because all these things seem to, the apostle Paul by the Holy Ghost is talking about these in Christ realities along with our redemption and our inheritance in the same breath. So they go together. I'm in him because I've been redeemed. I've been purchased with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I've been bought from slavery to sin. Now Jesus is my master. Now if that word makes you uncomfortable, he is your master, he is your Lord. He is your master, he is your Lord. If all he is is Savior, you're not going to be able to walk in the greater things. He has to be more than Savior to you. Missing hell, making heaven. This is Wednesday night. I know you're all there. Everybody say, Jesus is is. my Savior, my my Lord, my my Master. master. Amen. Amen. And so what, what? all these things working together, he's redeemed me. And so even my body's not my own. My life belongs to him. He is the Lord and the master of my life. And with that comes some inheritance. Now, I don't have time to get into it all, but I really would like as you read through the New Testament, there's a lot of times people get some things messed up. It talks about um, will not receive the kingdom of God. You have to be careful because when sometimes when people see that, they immediately think that means they're not born again. But he's talking about, in some areas, like they won't receive their inheritance. Uh, You can be born again and not walk in any inheritance. Maybe you don't know about it. How many of you know that uh, your great aunt who didn't have any, uh, she didn't think she had any living relatives, but I don't know, the last she took a breath, she found out you were alive, and she left you something in in her will, and she was a billionaire. And you didn't know about it, and she didn't know about it, but they found you out. Well, you got to receive it. You can get that letter, and you think, well, that's fake. Nothing can be that good. And you can rip it up and, and, and not receive it. A lot of times with the things of God, people think that's too good to be true. There's surely something I've got to do to pay for this. There's something I got to do, right? There's something I got to do. All you got to do is believe. All you got to do is receive. So we're going to talk about your inheritance. And so let's start with, we already looked at Hebrews 9, but let's look at Hebrews 9, 15 again, out of the Amplified Classic. Christ the Messiah is therefore the negotiator and mediator of an entirely new agreement. Glory to God. Everybody, come on, he negotiated and got us a better deal. He got us a way better deal. We have a new and better covenant. Doesn't mean the old covenant, the Old Testament, that it is we need to throw it away. Because it's Jesus, everything he has said is important. And then the Old Testament is quoted in the New Testament. So you don't, anybody who's telling you you just need to throw that part of the book out, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's still the written word of God. And you don't, we don't treat it with disrespect. Now, and everything is not for us, but it's for our example. Amen? So, it's, but he got us a better agreement. He went and negotiated us a better agreement. I just love that too. So that those who are called and offered it may receive the fulfillment of the promised everlasting inheritance. So there's always been an inheritance that God has wanted for his people. It started with Adam and Eve. 
They wanted him, the, the earth was theirs. Right? I mean, everything was theirs. But then we lost, we lost it. But Jesus came to get it back. And he had negotiated a better agreement based on his blood, and he redeemed us. Since a death has taken place which rescues and delivers and redeems them from the transgressors committed under the old first agreement. But I want you to notice there, it, it talks about the inheritance. The fulfillment of the promised everlasting inheritance. So you and I have an inheritance and we're going to talk about it. So, let, so uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, we looked, at, uh, we looked at 13 and 14. But let's look at Galatians 3, 29. And if you be Christ, again, in Christ, are you Christ? Are you, do you belong to him? Is Jesus Savior? Is he master? Then you're in him. If you be Christ, that's me. Come on, that's you. Then you are what? Abraham's seed. Now, I know most of you know this, but what does that make you? An heir. What does that make you? An heir. What did you do to become an heir? You were just born in the right place to the right person. How'd you get to be an heir? How'd you get to be an heir? You see, if just a natural heir, what, how, how did Charles get to be king? Because he's special? We won't talk about it. He's not. He's not. Who? Who? What? What? What happened? Why is William next? It's all because they were born into a family. It has nothing to do with how smart they are, how they look, anything. It just happens to be the way that weirdness was all set up, right? But the great news is, you've been adopted. You've been adopted. And you've been born into a family. You've been born into a family. And you've been born into the highest family on the earth. If you be Christ, then you're Abraham's seed. And you're an heir. You're an heir. Everything he promised Abraham, you don't have to put up with any curses anymore. But what you do get, you get the blessings of Abraham. Galatians chapter 4, verse 7. Ooh, I like talking about this. Woo-wee. Galatians 4, 7. Wherefore, you're no more a servant, but a son. I said, you're no more a servant, now you're a son. That's your position. And if a son, then you're an heir of God through Christ. Everybody say, I'm an heir. You're an heir. Hallelujah, you're an heir. Now you know this one, but Romans 8. I'm just getting happy about this. I'm an heir. Not because of anything I've done, not because of anything I am, not because of anything I've proven, not because I've done this right or I've done that right. It's because of whose I am, it's because of what family I'm born into. Wherefore, you're no more a servant, but you're a son. And if a son, then you're an heir through Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 16 and 17. The Spirit himself bears witness our spirit that we are children of God. Are you born again? Are you born again? Do you know so? Then you're a son or a daughter of God. Verse 17. You know this, but let's, let's get happy about it. And if you're a child, then you're an heir. Everybody say, I'm an heir of God. Heirs of God and what? If Ollie and I had the same daddy. Oh, it could happen. If Ollie and I had the same daddy. And in his will, daddy said, you two are joint heirs. What does that mean? That means Ollie and I are going to have to get along because everything in that inheritance is split equally. Everything is both ours. Amen. Not half of it's his and half of it's mine. Half of, all of it's Ollie's and all of it's mine because daddy said so. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to really get this. Everything that Jesus got, he didn't say, I'll give you a little bit of it. You're a joint heir. You're a joint heir. If you, so that you suffer with him, that you also be glorified with him. So I'll suffer the persecution of what they want to throw at me, but everything that Jesus has is mine. Because you start talking like that, and they're going to say, oh, no, you've gone too far. Oh, no, just look, oh, no you've gone too far. Mm-mm. Oh, I really want to get there. Hallelujah. I want to get there. I want to get there. I want to get there. Hallelujah. Um, 
Ever say, I am a joint heir with the Lord Jesus. <laughs> Acts chapter 20, verse 32. Lots of scripture tonight. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word. So how, how do I get my inheritance? And to the word of his grace. To the word of his grace. Now, that's an interesting choice. You notice everything that's written, it's by, it's, it, it's, it's, it's correctly, it was correctly given. It was correctly penned. Word of his grace is really important. Grace is what? God's side. It was purposed in him. This is what Jesus decided for you. He decided, he could have just decided, let's give him this portion, but he decided, just like it was not robbery for him to be equal with God, he decided it was not robbery for us to be equal with him. Now, that would throw a religious person into a, tens, into a woo. Well, you can't equate your, there's only one Jesus. Are you with me? There's just one. And we ain't him. But what he did was he decided to make you a joint heir. He decided, remember what he said to Mary. Now I'm going to go to my father and your father. Because of his blood. So God could be a father to us again. And then he decided to make us heirs, but not just give you a portion, give you everything. And the word of his grace, he's saying to you again, remember, this is God's grace. You didn't earn this. I want to remind you, you didn't earn this. I, don't, I want to remind you, this is not about you. This is about what Jesus decided. It's that in the word of his grace is able to build you up. The word of God and the word of grace, the word of this is what God has for you is able to build you up. It's able to build you up. Like you all feel built up tonight because we're talking, because it's able to build you up. And when it builds you up, what does it do? It gives you an inheritance. It gives you your inheritance. The word of God, the grace side of God, what he's provided gives you your inheritance. Among all who are sanctified, who are set apart. All right, let's look at uh, Acts chapter 26, verse 18. To open their eyes and to turn them, this is Paul saying, this is what he was called to do, and, and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and they may receive their inheritance. Among them that are, there it is again, sanctified. What does it mean? Sanctified just means set apart. How you set apart? You're set apart by the blood of Jesus. It's talking about you and I, just so you know, there is an inheritance for you. God decided your inheritance before you did anything right or wrong. He decided to make you co-equal and a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything that Jesus got for you is yours. Everything the Father gave him is now yours. Whoo, Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. Colossians, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet, able to be partakers of what? So he's just in case you're confused about it, in case you don't understand what is really yours. He said, because, uh, you know, oh, that's a big inheritance. I, I don't know if I can take that. that that's too much. Uh, you want to heal me from all my diseases? You want to make me rich? You, 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 want, you want me to give me a language that I can talk directly to you and I don't go to go through anybody else? And you, you, want, to, you want to call me son? You want, oh, that's really too much. It's too much. But just so you, you, you know, not confused, he said, I've made you able I made you able to be partakers of your inheritance. Everybody say, I'm well able to receive all my inheritance. Woo, I'm not going to leave anything on the table. I'm not going to leave anything at Kroger. I'm going to take it all. I'm not going to say this is too much for me. I don't deserve this. This should be for somebody else. No, I'm going to take it all. I'm going to take all my inheritance. Hallelujah. Colossians chapter 3, verse 22 through 24. Woohoo. Servants, obey all things your masters according to the flesh, not with thy service as men pleasers, but singles of heart, fearing God. Verse 23. And whatsoever you do, see, we're, we're offering our members uh, as instruments of righteousness. Whatever you do in life, do it heartily. Do it to your master. Do it to the Lord and not unto men. Why? Why do we want to do that? Why do we want to live that way? Nobody else lives that way. They're not doing that. They're not doing that. They're born again. They're tongue talkers. They're not doing it. Well, let's look at verse 24. Knowing that of the Lord, you shall receive the reward. What is the reward? Your inheritance. So serve him. So serve him. So serve him. 
So serve him. So the inheritance is not necessarily automatic, although it's automatically available. He's not withholding any good thing for those that walk uprightly, walking in their righteousness, knowing who they are in Christ. There's an inheritance made available for everybody. And there's ways to receive it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So what do you get? Well, I get, what do we get? What does our inheritance give us? Well, I get to walk in Abraham's blessing. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above, not beneath. Amen. Everything I put my hand to will be blessed. Amen. The fruit of your womb. Whatever, if you want some more fruit in your womb, the fruit of your womb is blessed. Hallelujah. Whatever, come on, everything you do, God, God because it's, it's part of your inheritance. You've been redeemed from the curse and you've been, you've been blessed with Abraham's blessings. All of them. All of them. And there's more than just Deuteronomy 28. I can't take the time to take you through everything where God said, this will happen to you, this will happen. But he talked to him a lot about inheritance. Even a land, a piece of property. He said Canaan's land was his inheritance. And the reason that Joshua could go get it was because it was Abraham's inheritance. That land was inherited. There's some things in your your life that God has promised you. What is that? He has some things for you. Amen. Let's look at, um, I like this one because I don't want to forget this one. Psalms 2.8. What's part of your inheritance? Ask of me and I'll give you the heathen for your inheritance. Come on, we're living in a time when, when people need to be born again and not just going out and ministering to them, but we need to claim you're part of my inheritance. You're part of my inheritance. You're part of my inheritance. Hallelujah. You know, I was excited about that one. I'm excited about that one. Because just as much as healing is mine, uh, lost people belong to the Lord. They're part of my inheritance. Hallelujah. Let's look at this one, John 16, 15. This will get you back pumped up. Everything that the Father has is mine, Jesus said. The Father. God. Jesus said what? How much is everything? That's a lot. So everything that God has, Jesus says is mine. That's what, it, what, that's what I meant when I said that he, the Spirit, will take the things that are mine and he will reveal, declare, disclose, transmit them to you. So everything the Father has is mine. And then what did Jesus say? I'm going to transmit it to you. All authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth, Jesus said. Now you go. What is that? He just gave it to you. He didn't say, here's part authority. When you use my name, 50% of the time, good things will happen. He didn't say, now you're going to win a few and you're going to lose a few. Right? Half the time my name will work and half the time it won't. Just use it though. No, he said, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth. Now you go. That's a transfer. That's a transfer. That's that everything the Lord has, he's given it to us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right. Hebrews 6. We'll skip that one. We already said it. Hebrews 6, 16 through 18. Hebrews 6, 16 through 18. For verily, swear, men swear by the greater an oath. So, he, so they're swearing by someone that's greater. Verse 17. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the who? To the heirs, to the joint heirs. So who's he talking about? He's talking to you about you on Wednesday night in Madison, Alabama, in this church. He's talking to you. What? I, I, I'm promising, I'm, I want to show you my heir of a promise, the promises, the immutability, in other words, it can't change, of his counsel, and he confirmed it by an oath. In other words, I'm, I've given you all this stuff, and I confirm it to you that it's yours, and I do it by an oath. And what is verse 18? Now, that's big. Because some people say, well, you never can tell what God's going to do. That's a big, that's a big bunch of baloney. You can definitely tell what God's going to do. You can definitely tell what God's going to do. You can definitely tell. That's so religious. Well, you can never tell what God's going to do. That's a bunch of baloney. You can always tell what God wants to do. 
What you can't tell is what people will believe and what people will receive. It's not on God, it's on us. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show you the heirs. That's everybody say, that's me. Say, I'm an heir. So he confirmed it by an oath, verse 18. That by two immutable things. So I'm confirming this, your inheritance, that you're my heir by two things. I ain't lying about it. He said, I'm not lying. God is not a man that he should lie. If he said it, he's going to do it. So he's saying to you, you are my heir. I have chosen you to be a joint heir with the Lord Jesus. You are my heir. And everything that I have is yours. Come on, it's like the prodigal son, remember? They, the one young son, he wanted all his stuff. So daddy gave him all the stuff. But the interesting thing is, daddy kept being blessed. And the other son stayed at home. But remember, everything was gone. And so he came back. And remember the father, which is the type of father God, saw him afar off. And he came and met him. And what did he do? He put a robe back on him. Get him some shoes. Right? And then he put a ring back on him. Not just any old ring. Not just a golden ring. It's a prob- it was a signet ring which gave him authority to sign for daddy again. And then he threw him a party. Then he threw him a party. All I've ever had is yours. So I don't know why we we get to begging for stuff. Lord, I need you to do this. Lord, I want you. Please, Jesus. Please, Jesus. No. Um, I I think help me, Jesus, is a little different because you're in the middle of something. I just need your help. But you don't have to beg him. We're not, we're not beggars, we're heirs. Amen. I said, we're not beggars, we're heirs. Amen. And join heirs with the Lord Jesus. Two things, God said, I'm not gonna lie to you. And because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. That's what it all means. You're my heir, I'm not lying, and I swear by myself. Because there's nobody greater than me to swear by. <laughs> and that's great place, I mean, that's a lot of hope. That's a lot of encouragement. Does it make you happy to know that you're an heir? Come on. I feel it in the room. You're, you're just excited that you, come on, just a good reminder. Everything he has is mine. I'm an heir and a joint heir with the Lord Jesus. Everything he has is mine. Oh man, this, these, this right here is really good and I haven't gotten to it. Oh, I wish you could have this. They came in the rain, Lord. Shall we give it to them? Just give you a taste. I don't know if we can get to all of it. Just the Lord dealt with me a lot when I got done studying. And he said to me, remember, Jesus is the firstborn. So do you remember when he appeared in Revelation? He said he was the, the Bible says he's the first begotten, the firstborn from among the dead. Um, He's not ashamed in the church of the firstborn to call us brethren. Aren't you glad Jesus is not ashamed of you? So we sure ought not be ashamed of him. He's not ashamed of me. I mean, he could be ashamed of all of us, but he's not. Because we're not perfect, except in him. Because we've been accepted in the beloved. But we're not ashamed of him. Not ashamed of him. We belong to him. And so, Without getting into it too much, we may pick it up here last time, last, next week. I'm not sure. But I just want to get you this. So Jesus is the firstborn. And so you can trace it back to the old covenant. There are blessings that go with the firstborn. Um, in Deuteronomy 21, I don't know if they'll put it up. That's great. Deuteronomy 21, 15 through 17. The rights of the firstborn don't really have to do with anything except for you were firstborn. That's just it. It said uh, in Deuteronomy 21 15, if a man have two wives, one beloved and one hated. I mean, this is extreme. Uh, he, you know, back in the old covenant, they had more than one wife. Well, I love one and I hate the other one. That's strong. And they have borne him children, both the beloved and the hated. If the firstborn was of the hated, then it shall be when he makes his son to inherit that which he has, he may not make the son of the beloved of the firstborn before the son of the hated, which is indeed the firstborn. In other words, you don't get to choose who's firstborn. You're just firstborn, and everything that's firstborn, you get, all, you get what you get. And there is a blessing that comes with the firstborn. 
But he shall acknowledge the son of the hated as the firstborn by giving him a what? A double portion. So even if he don't like his firstborn, because he came from a woman that he don't like, I don't know why he, anyway, but that's the way it's going on. The Bible's talking about, and the truth of the matter is, whether he likes this son or not, it doesn't matter because he's the firstborn. And the firstborn gets a double portion. And the firstborn gets a double portion. And the firstborn gets a double portion. It's not just, the firstborn gets a double portion. And Jesus is the firstborn. He's the first begotten from among the dead. And then he turned around and said, everything I have is yours. And so we talk about it at Cornerstone all the time. It's the year of Jubilee, and we always get double. We always get double. We always get double. We always get double. But we've got even more scripture because we're part of the firstborn, and the firstborn always gets a double. And the truth of the matter is, I'm in him, he's in me, and we're heirs and joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you can see, though, it really is up to you whether you believe it or not and want it or not because you remember Esau and Jacob. You remember old mama. She, she wanted Jacob to get the blessing because right before, you know, uh, right before they were leaving, Isaac was going to let you know the whole story. I don't have time to go in it. But um, these things are, you know, even though this is Old Testament, this blessing, this, this, this inheritance, the Lord is big on inheritance. And so this inheritance, this right belonged to Esau, didn't it? And Esau got hungry one day. And Jacob was somebody I probably liked because I guess he could throw down some food. Right? And Esau went out and he was hungry and he got back. And you know the account? Remember the account? So even though you think it's like, well, there's a whole lot of conniving going on here. I know. We'll just play that aside. I don't know. But I'm just saying is, you know what happened? What happened? He sold it for a bowl of soup. You said, well, he didn't ever do that. Well, what are you selling your blessing for? I'm talking to me and you. What are you selling your blessing for? And then sometimes, I love the message on this. You know the message is not um, an exact translation, but it gives you something. Hebrews 12, 16, and 17. How many know, everybody say, I'm an heir and a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. All these things belong to you. Why? Because you've been redeemed. All right, let's read this and then we're going to go. Watch out for the Esau syndrome. Hebrews 12, 16, 17 message. Watch out for the Esau syndrome. Trading away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. You well know how Esau later regretted that impulsive act and wanted God's blessing. But by then, it was too late. Tears or no tears. Now, I'm grateful for the forgiveness and the mercy of God. But we're not living in a time we ought to play. Amen. And I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to me. I'm talking about anybody who will listen. Because we got a whole lot of blessings. And I want to walk in them. And the Lord wants you to walk in them. And the more you walk in them, the better off you'll be equipped to help other people. Amen. You're in him. You've been redeemed. And you have an inheritance. Amen.